0: Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
1: One of the most amazing things that happens in John chapter 11 that we studied the last two days and John 12 is the chief priest and Pharisees forming a hit list. Now, I'm, yes, you heard me right. Listen to this, John 11:53, and it talks about the Pharisees and, and the high priest. Then from that day on, they plotted to put Jesus to death. Now in chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, the chief priest took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death because on account of him... Many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. We're talking about the highest religious uh, position in all of Israel, and here they are forming a hit list. This is Burt Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. Alex, sometimes I am amazed at, at how evil uh, men can be. Uh, you know, oh, we, yes. we have the capability of, of being l- Christian like Christ, but we have also the capability of being as evil as we could be. And here it is. I, I can't think of anything more hideous than what they're doing.
2: Well, Jeremiah 17 in the Old Testament says, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things who can know it. And honestly, um, you know, it's been said if there's one fact proven, undeniably proven by empirical history is that man has a fallen nature. You know,
1: and that is why, I mean, the Constitution, the United States and the way it is written and the laws that they give to the states. And uh, it shows that man needs desperately help in society. But we desperately need even more help spiritually, Alex. And so this is where we are. We're in John chapter 12 and uh, we find Jesus after the Passover before the Passover, after the raising of Lazarus, that he's spending time in Bethany with his friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Uh, I, those three, they must have had the gift of hospitality. Jesus sure did stay there a lot, and it seemingly he enjoyed being there with them.
2: Yeah, well, you know what's so amazing is there's 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, and and you know you and I both on numerous occasions have urged you know new new believers to read John 21 chapters, and so it says this is six days before the Passover, uh, they, then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus, which had been dead, was raised, and they went up to a supper. Now nearly half almost half of the gospel of john is going to be devoted to really the last week of jesus's life isn't that amazing
1: it is Um, and that's that's the reason john is so different in the area that it covers now in the area that it covers the same as matthew mark and luke there's there's agreement but here john just this is one reason i believe it was the last the gospel written for God put into John to really go into detail concerning the last week of Jesus' and, and, life.
2: And he was the last living apostle. That's right. Uh, uh, the apostle John. And I think it's just amazing. that It says they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now, just a chapter ago, you know, they were at the gravesite of Lazarus and said he's been dead four days, and um, he would be decomposed, and now they're sitting at a table. Now, maybe this is a celebration, you know, and here Christ is really en route to the cross only days away, and yet he's taken time to rejoice and have this dinner, you know, with people that are very, very dear to him. It's just amazing. Uh, And Bert, let me just say this. One of the reasons that more than a few people have remarked this must be the Word of God all the all the amazing things in here this is not just a book of platitudes and inspirational little uh sayings i mean you've got real history of the good the bad the ugly and like you say the incredible wickedness of people rejecting jesus plotting to you know kill jesus But um, the the story turns in verse 3, Mary took a pound of ointment, a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment, okay, this fragrance. So uh, a spikenard is a kind of a container, very expensive, and she's, you know, used this to, uh, you know, some have said this might be 300 uh, denarii. I don't know exactly how much that would have been. But this is something that was um, fragrant, and it was you know good for the skin, and it was uh, a very visible show of honor and homage to Jesus, isn't it?
1: It really is. And according to what I've looked at, it's about a one-year's wage for the average yeah. worker. So it was very costly— but notice Mary, Martha serving, Lazarus at the table. Mary, you know, anointing his feet. These three individuals that know Jesus well, this is one of the last times that they'll be with him. They, they will have a few other times, but not many. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? And given to the poor. Then he said, "Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it." Now, Alex, John really opens up about Judas here more than any other time. Uh, they would say he kept the box or he kept the treasury, but here he was a thief, and he would take it and he would spend it. Uh, this shows you the this man's heart. Uh, was already hardening as he came to the place of betrayal. When he followed Jesus, Jesus knew what he was from the beginning. But again, nothing was done. He did not hear anything that Jesus said that would cause him to repent and turn around. But he continued in this lifestyle of thievery, this lifestyle of betrayal. So he was betraying them with the money before he betrayed Jesus by kissing him on the cheek, you know? So the oh, betrayal yeah. was continual during this period
2: of time, wasn't it? It really was. And remember, Jesus asked the question, you know, what What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? It, you know, then as now there are people that, um, even in religious work, can give themselves over to the money at the expense of their salvation, even. Now, verse 7 is Jesus's response, and it always kind of made my heart heavy that here's a person uh, worshiping and serving Christ, and Jesus has to defend the legitimacy of that. Um, he says, "...let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this, for the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always." Bert, even as a young person, that verse really kind of touched my heart. Here's Mary uh, really doing an act of worship and, and ministering to the Lord. Isn't that something, ministering to the minister? The sheep is ministering to the one who is the good shepherd. And Judas, very sarcastically, well, what about the money? You know, if you're really all that spiritual, this could have been given to the poor, which, as as you so well said... That was the last thing on his mind. But Jesus says, you know, leave her alone. Um, This is one of the last things she can do before I'm dead. And the poor, Judas, if you're so interested in serving the poor, you'll always have poor people. I'm sure uh, you'll want to go out and serve the poor. By the way, Bert, let me just chase a rabbit here for a second. I've had people say to me when you're sharing the gospel, um, I've I'm thinking right now of a witnessing situation where a man said to me, "Um, you know, do you mean to tell me all those people who believe other things are not saved? And I said, well, you know, the Bible is clear to be saved. You have to put your faith in Jesus. And uh, I've said, look, clearly you're, you're very concerned about the unsaved. So I'm sure you'll, if, if you're that concerned about those who don't know Jesus, then I'm sure you'll want to get involved and tell them. And of course, that You know, that wasn't the case, just like it wasn't the case with Judas, caring about the poor. But verse 8, Jesus said, look, you've always got the poor with you, but me, you don't have. In fact, Jesus would only be with them a short time longer. But the motives and the priorities of the heart are very clearly revealed in the reaction to Jesus.
1: They are the extravagance of Mary, the servant part of Martha— and Lazarus, the joy of eating with Jesus and the stinginess and the greed of, of Judas is revealed. All here in this, these few verses, you see the difference in these individuals. And then in verse 9, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not to seek Jesus only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests took counsel they might also put Lazarus to death because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Now here's the issue, Alex., yeah. they are their numbers of followers are going down. Now and and Jesus was going up. they were right the opposite of John the Baptist who said, "I must decrease and he must increase." They were saying, "We must increase Jesus. Not even decrease, we must increase. I don't care what it does. We'll put him to death. We don't want any of those. We need all these people, not because mm. they had truth, but because they had greed and power. Alex
2: well, Bert, I, I got to point something out here. You remember as chapter eleven closed, you know more and more people came, and the religious leaders they said they knew people would be looking for Jesus. So, you know, spread the word, if anybody sees Jesus, take him and seize him. Now, verse nine, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but they that they also might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, do you remember back in Luke twenty three Jesus was before Herod. Herod was very glad he desired to see him because he had heard about him, hoping to see a sign. You know, I mean, there are people that want to see maybe they're not necessarily seeking salvation. They just want to see some supernatural, you know, act. And it's like the religious leaders, not only are we going to kill the one who raised the dead, we're going to kill the one that got raised from the dead, too. (laughs) Wow. When you see
1: that, notice his last words. Jews went away. Went away from what? From this Pharisees, their control, this system, and they believed in Jesus. Mm. Have you turned away from your sin? Have you turned away from the direction you're going? It's called repentance, where you turn from your way and turn to God. If you haven't, we're praying you'd do that and trust Jesus today. He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you, and he rose again. We'll be back with more of this good news right after the break.
3: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today, we pray for Troy Jackson, director of the Transportation Safety Institute. He provides transportation safety training to federal, state, and local government agencies and the private industry. Proverbs 18.15 reminds us of the importance of gaining knowledge. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Troy Jackson at the Department of Transportation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a non nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, Go to pausetopray.org.
0: Dr. Tony Evans knows there are plenty of influences in the world trying to lure us off the path God wants us to follow. Today he'll tell us a story about how to deal with them as we spent two minutes with Tony.
4: We were coming out of the store and we walked in front of this huge display window. And in front of this huge display window, there was a crowd of people doing antics. They were doing antics. doing all that, waving their hand and screaming. and I said, what in the world is going on? So we walked in front of the window and we saw what was happening. In the window was a mannequin, but it was a human mannequin. So all the people gathered outside were trying to get her to move. They were trying to distract her. But this lady wouldn't move. She just held that stance as a human statue I mean, on and on and on. She would not budge, even though everybody outside the window were trying to get her to budge. But I know why girlfriend didn't move, because them people outside weren't paying her. No, it was the owners of Macy's that were paying her. So her obligation was inside the window, not outside to the crowd. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, your obligation is to your king, not to the crowd. The question first and foremost is, what does my king say? Because he rules, he is my authority.
0: If you're ready to recognize Jesus' kingship by committing your life to him, visit tonyevans.org. Click on the top menu and follow the Jesus link. He'll explain what it means to be a real Christian and describe the amazing difference it'll make in your life today and for eternity. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family
5: Radio.
2: We are in John Chapter 12. This is Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. We're very honored that you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and it really is a privilege that you listen to this show, and we thank you. And Bert, I think it's significant that as we come to Palm Sunday here in John Chapter 12, uh, we're coming up on the Christmas season, not too, too far away. And you know, Uh, It says that they took palm branches and went forth to meet him, and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, There is just such a connection between Christmas and Easter. His miraculous uh, resurrection and ascension was preceded by a miraculous entry into the world, which we celebrate in the month of December, and uh, you know just as christmas is the focal point of the year it really is you know the coming of the savior jesus really is the focal point of all history isn't he Bert? it is his story it really
1: is and this is the day that every other day hinges upon those two days the incarnation and then those days when he was crucified on the cross and rose again All of history hinges on those. Those are three hinges. Thinking about a door that has those three hinges, Alex, and Mm -hmm. everything hinges on those. It hinges your your eternity. My eternity hinges on what we do concerning Jesus Christ. And so those are beautiful words from Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I just hear that. I know it spoke very well. But man, they were praising God. Then Jesus, when he found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written from the book of Zechariah. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, Alex, again, fulfilling scripture. Now, we're going to get to this. Now, I love verse 16. It says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him. And that day they had done these things to him. Alex, uh, this is neat how God calls these things to their remembrance. It is the mm-hmm. inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being involved when John is writing. So here he is, an eyewitness, firsthand account. And then he said, I saw this, but he did not connect the dots and the Holy Spirit would come as he was writing, and they understood this now, and the story is complete. It reminds me of when we get to heaven. Right now, we're we're kind of, we can follow some of the things that happened to us, but there's going to be times when we get into heaven, we're going to say, that is what happened. That's who that was. That's why this took place. See it
2: retrospectively. Yes,
1: right. And that's what John is doing here. I love that verse because it really does put it in perspective, doesn't it?
2: Well, it does. And, you know, history tells us that around 164 BC, uh, they had used palm branches in this processional, which was the celebration, the rededication of the temple. Uh, And do you know what I think is amazing is um, the, the temple, a place where they worship God, now, here is the one coming, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and everything about all those, the ceremonies, the services, the sacrifices. Here's the one who is the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He's coming, and they're putting down palm branches. So symbolic. Even the palm branch as a celebration uh, in relation to worship of the temple was even struck on their coins Uh, Jewish Judean coins had had palm branches on them because, you know, again, the national identity was about God, the temple, the relationship. So here comes the king, and they're certainly at this point treating him in royal fashion. Sad thing is, though, the the shouts of uh, Hosanna, Hosanna would soon be followed by shouts of crucify him, crucify him. But uh, let me just say this. While we're talking about the temple, the building, Jesus had said, destroy this temple, and three days I'll raise it up again. And they said uh, the temple that was years in building, but he spoke of his own body. Isn't it something that the hosannas and the palm branches, I mean, they will be validated one day. And actually, Bert, I'm going to say this. When Christ returns and every eye will see and every knee will bow— and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. In a way, uh, humanity with true praise to the Savior will pick up where Palm Sunday left off. Amen. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. a a 2,000-year timeout here in the middle that yeah. we call the church age, yeah. but the worship of the king is appropriate, and he's inviting you to be one of the worshipers.
1: Amen, and it is King Jesus. No other king. He is the one and only. And Alex, therefore, verse 17, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb, raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look at the world has gone after him. Mm. <laughs> I wish that were true. I wish it were true. It was temporary, but let me just say, just like you connected that to the future, let's look at it. That is a picture of what we should be doing. We should be turned to him, glorifying him, and following him and obeying him. And so, Alex, it says the whole world is gone after him. Now, I want to tell you what would happen. There would be some men that were called apostles, and then there are people that followed Jesus and going with him that would turn the world upside down. Mm. And and Jesus Christ changed everything. Everything from that day, uh, Western civilization would be developed. I mean, we're, we're hey, talking minute. about we're talking about the freedoms. Uh, we're talking about so many things that this represents Jesus Christ the difference he made not only in lives but I'm telling you he made a difference because of the difference he made in these lives these people made a difference in their world as well didn't they
2: well they did and folks everybody listening if you're on this winter day sitting in a heated house it's because of Christianity and, and I can prove it uh you're 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 enjoying a a literate, civilized, ordered world because of Christianity. You mentioned Western civilization. Well, do you know science emerged because Christians believed that uh, since God is a God of order, not confusion, and since the creation reflects the Creator, then if God is a God of order, then the world he made must be orderly and the word is comprehensible. And I've quoted many scholars, I won't digress and talk about this today, but science and genetics and technologies emerged because the the first scientists believed they could glorify God by understanding the creation he made, and along comes, you know, all manner of technologies, and we have uh, so many of the amenities of life, not only uh, technological breakthroughs, but medicine and literacy and Uh, just moral, you know, human rights and things like that because of the biblical worldview. And by the way, let me just say this, too, in talking about the fact, Bert, that, uh, you know, Palm Sunday and Hosanna ultimately points to the day that we face-to-face will worship the King. See, only in Christianity does the, the present reconcile with both the past and the future, Bert, I was reading um weekend before last I was reading a book about world missions, and missionaries had gone to India, where they have, you know, thousands of gods and just all sorts of uh, you know, very tragically incorrect beliefs about life and eternity. And so they're sharing the gospel, and the story is that as, you know, Indian people were brought to Christ some said to the missionaries, said, we understand, you know, there's the gospel and there's Jesus, but why don't you present the the Bible as a book of not only how to live, but how to understand history? Because, you know, we get it, this is the story. Finally, we understand history, we understand the human condition, and we even understand the future, prophecy. And I, I think we need to talk more about this sometimes, Bert. Um, it's called Biblical Worldview. And see, the beautiful thing, Bert, is the, the Bible is the story of context. Who is the human race? How did we get here? What is wrong? Where are we headed? And, and what is the best path forward? And so when we talk about things like the past and the future, uh, Bert, we're, we're saying that Only God's story is the true story and the real story, and it's the story each and every life needs to hear.
1: It is, and Alex, when you say that, that that is the connection. It is through the power of the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that anyone can come to the knowledge of Christ. Uh, The Holy Spirit convicts us and draws us And through the preaching of the Word, and we see the power of the Word that's able to separate soul and spirit. Alex, this is why here on Exploring the Word, we say we want to share the Word of God. That's why we introduce and ask pastors, preach the Word, stay in the Word. And then for Sunday School teachers, small group leaders, whatever it is, the Word of God will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish all that it was meant to be in your life, and in my life. So, Alex, it is through Christ and Christ alone that we have this. And it is his story, and it does connect it. And so here in verse 20 through 21, it says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Are these Gentiles or Greek-speaking Jews or a combination of both?
2: I think a combination of both. I and, do as
1: well. I, I really believe that. It seems yes. like because it's in the context of that, isn't it?
2: Well, th- this is just such a beautiful thing. Okay, this is the feast of the Passover. And, you know, uh, Gentiles and then, um, you know, kind of uh, um, Hebrew-speaking Greeks, they're coming to the Passover. And remember, the Passover was about the deliverance from Egypt. I mean, there are no doubt some Gentiles here, it says they've come up to worship at the feast. And the, the word there um, is a Greek word. It means to bow the knee, uh, really to worship. Bert, there, there's a thing about what we call natural revelation and special revelation, and I just think it's a wonderful thing here because you, you remember that verse in Matthew 15 where the woman said, you know, even the dogs... Are eager to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Right, you know we know unto the Jews were committed the oracles of God, but we Gentiles will take as much as as we can possibly get. We'll we'll take the revelation of God too. Isn't that something? And so I, I just think it's a beautiful thing. They come to Philip of Bethsaida of Galilee and said, "Sir, we would see Jesus."
1: Amen, Alex.
2: <laughs> mm.
1: I, I if you gone to pulpits and to supply for someone, the pastor is gone and they leave you a note, and this yes. is the one that I've seen written so many times. Sir, we would see Jesus. And Amen. that is the whole idea. We want to hear about Jesus. We want to share Jesus. It's all centered in him. Now before we get to that, I just gotta talk about Philip, who was from Bethesda of Galilee. He he, do you catch this? And then he goes to Andrew. These two guys, it seems like they, they were partners in questioning, uh, good questions, not bad questions. And they were also partners in helping others because it says after that, Philip came and told Andrew and turned Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And, Mm. and every time you see Andrew in the scriptures, He's bringing somebody to Jesus every time, Amen. not a single time has that not happened. And here, these Greeks, we would see Jesus, and they got a hold of Philip, who probably had an accent that was from the northern. You remember it? they talked about that, about Simon Speed. Peter and his accent, yeah. you know? Your right. speech betrays you. And so here yeah. is Philip, who is open to that, and he—I've I, I, always wondered, why did Philip go to Andrew? Andrew. Um, I don't know all the reasons, but, you know, he asked for advice. I think it's because Andrew uh, had a connection with Jesus of always introducing him to somebody, you know?
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, uh, Andrew, Operation Andrew, the Billy Graham ministry, has this uh, youth evangelism program called Operation Andrew. And uh, if you want to help somebody get to Jesus, Andrew was a good person to help you do that. You know, I got to say this, you know, one of my heroes, Billy Graham, uh, many, many years ago when he first came on the scene and he was preaching a simple gospel message, nothing complex, nothing revisionary, just the simple gospel message and people were getting saved and some kind of progressives said, you've set the church back 50 years. And he said, well, I was hoping to set it back 2,000 years. Amen. Because <laughs> we do, like that. we want the whole world to go after him. It is about
1: Christ, and it is. And let me, we're going to stop here at verse 22. There's about a minute and a half left. And tomorrow we'll, we'll pick up at 23 and finish this chapter uh, because it's mostly, if you read in the, if you have a red-letter edition, you'll find out most of the rest of the chapter is the words of Christ. But here, let's talk about that. We would see Jesus. Alex, have you ever heard I'd rather see a sermon is hear one any day? Uh you know, yeah. there's some truth yeah. in that. There our walk, how I won't ask you this a minute left. How important is our walk and a and our talk match up? In other words, what we say and what we do, there's some should be
2: some consistency there, shouldn't there be? Absolutely. We gotta be authentic. You know, we have a true message, we've got to be true messengers. First Peter 3.15, be ready to defend the faith. But First Peter 2.15, that we are to exemplify the faith. Amen. And so, yeah, the, the the message and the life of the messenger had be synonymous. <laughs>
1: they better be. Hey, you know what it says to pastors? Yeah, preach the word, but it says be an example to the flock. And right that's in word and in deed. So you who are out there who are believers and followers of Christ, let's do it all the way. That phone number, if you would love to have a Bible question answered, it is 888-589-8840.
0: AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA Streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up.
5: Trump derangement syndrome was a virus that spread like COVID. And CNN decided, you know what, we're not going to do news coverage anymore. We're going to go full board against Trump. You're driving your business in the yeah. ground. Yeah, that's why I think they should take this opportunity and go back to doing news instead of doing progressive propaganda. Today's Issues,
0: weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family
6: Radio. Persecuted Christians in China, they're beaten, jailed, and threatened with death, and they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and just outside of Beijing, 12-year-old Ming became a believer after learning English as a second language through a program from Bible League because the Bible is the source of the reading assignments. Ming would lead her father, Daiku, a Confucianist to Christ, but her bitter atheist mother has turned them in for attending a house church near their home. We're not sure what's going to happen to these two, but they remain faithful in worship, and they're praying for Bibles because in their church of 200, there's only about Three Bibles, many are known to stay after the service to write down some scriptures just to have something to take into their week. And 50-year-old Katsu, beaten and jailed many times as a pastor, he led his atheist interrogator to Christ together. They've seen thousands come to Christ. They need Bibles in China. So in this season of giving, will you remember the persecuted church in China and around the world? At $5 a Bible, $100 sins 20? Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give at SendBiblesNow.org. SendBiblesNow.org. Dot org every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and
5: every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit my name is abraham hamilton the and this is the hamilton minute no one likes to suffer difficult circumstances in this era of easy believism it's often conveyed if life isn't always smooth we're doing something wrong the scripture teaches us however that our lord often meets fruitful branches with additional pruning The pruning is not punishment. It's actually to make us even more fruitful. If you're in a rough spot right now, take heart. What may feel like the squeeze to end all squeezes could very well be the Lord's pruning for additional fruitfulness. When the Lord prunes us, He does so for our good. Listen each weekday
0: from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Ephesians 1, 11. American Family Radio.
5: You are the light. So when the darkness falls, the greatest heights. They never seem so tall, no, not at all. You're right. It's my roots that you're growing. Don't want to miss what you're showing Ain't no doubt about you everywhere that I go, you keep showing
2: up Amen. You the Amen. we do want to shout it that God is the goodness in our life and hey we appreciate Brent Austin uh, bringing us good music when we come back from the breaks. and by the way this is a part of the program where we open up the telephones and it is our great privilege to talk with you and we would love for you to call in with a with a bible question it's 888 589 8840 888 589 8840 and bert i just feel like you and i are the most blessed that song's talking about blessings we have a blessing talking to the listeners every day don't we oh
1: we do and really it uh, what makes exploring the word uh unique away it's a discussion between two guys that love the lord love his word and uh you know, we do. And the other part is we get to take questions from those that uh, hold up their hands. Now, holding up their hands means they call in. And uh, also, mm-hmm. if you've got questions, you go to word a- at AFR.net and ask your question there. And Alex and I usually take those in a group and do a special program and answer those questions. It, sometimes we answer them individually individually. But anyway, we would love to hear you. The lines are going wild. Are you ready to go to the phone lines now?
2: Oh, boy. triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. here on today's edition of Exploring the Word.
1: From Louisiana is John. Welcome.
5: Yes. I would like to ask the question, what is your definition of an overcomer?
1: Okay, great wow. question. Well, I yeah. love that. Let me say this. There's two that I love equally, overcomer and conqueror. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we, God has conquered us, so therefore, guess what we do? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, John, and that overcomer is overcoming that which so easily besets us. We're taken from Hebrews. Alex, it talks about we're to run the race But in order to run the race, we need to throw off those things that so easily beset us and overcome that, that we might be faithful to him. Go ahead, brother, Alex.
2: Well, uh, you know, first of all, we have overcome the judgment of sin by being born again through Christ, you know, Uh, and that's the most crucial overcoming that everybody needs, you know, is that we are saved. Because, you know, Bert, um, we could have every other accoutrement of life, but if we leave this world without a born-again relationship to Jesus, we've been defeated. So in Christ, listen, that's why the the, the born-again Christian who has an illness is actually healthier than the, the man who's lost but isn't sick. The born-again Christian who is dead broke is richer <laughs> than a lost man with... A big bank account. Now, in Romans eight thirty seven, it says, you know, that we are more than conquerors, and the um, the word there it, it means to prevail mightily. You know, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than overcomers through Jesus, and it means that we prevail mightily. So, Bert, to the dear man's question number one: Overcomers are saved. Number two: Overcomers. They know who they are in Christ regardless of the circumstance. And I think they experience the blessing, the preservation, the protection, the sustenance of Jesus, even when outwardly from the world's definition, it might not look like victory. But if we're walking this journey in Christ every day, it really is victory, Bert, isn't it? It
1: really is. And when you were saying that, Alex, about richer, Uh, if you're poor, richer than the richest, I could not help. It's coming up on Christmas and yours and mine. One of our favorite movies, it's a wonderful life at the (laughs) end, George Bailey, his brother comes in and he says to the richest man, (laughs) you know, and in Bedford falls, it wasn't, it wasn't Mr. Potter. It was George Bailey. I I couldn't help but think of that with Christmas being around. But Um, we we are overcomers. We really are, John. We really are. And let's give an example of that, and that's Moses. Moses was weak in so many ways. He couldn't speak clearly as he wanted to. God gave him what he needed. He said, I don't have what it takes to go back. And he says, I am that I am, and I'll be with you. I'll go with you. And he overcame all of his fears. He overcame his past. Moses is a good example of an overcomer, I think, you know, as well Amen. as others. Hey, let's go mm-hmm. to Mississippi and talk to Janice. Welcome, Janice.
3: Uh, yes, I've been, been watching the, the uh, Clash of the Titans, and I was wondering what Greek, Greek uh, mythology, of false doctrine.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. Greek mythology, false doctrine. Alex, uh now, let me just set this up first yeah. we uh i know my grandchildren right now they're in school and i had to too i had to learn about greek mythology but it mm. was always mythology it wasn't mm. spoken of as something that we would believe but to know history we needed to learn that you know it's kind of, hopefully it's being still taught that way you know
2: yeah um do do you know what Greek mythology is as Bert said it's myth um some of it was an attempt to explain phenomenon like you know Zeus throwing down lightning bolts from the sky, but a lot of it was just artful you know fairy tale type stuff um and and you know that's one of the things that distinguishes. Uh, Christianity from ancient mythology because, uh, as C.S. Lewis said, he was a great Christian thinker. He said, um, and this was one of the things that really made him convinced that he ought to believe in Jesus, which he did. He said, look, you move from uh, Zeus and Osiris, who nobody knew where, nobody knew when, to Jesus, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Uh, Jesus born when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And see, with Christianity and the life of Christ, there's all these historical mileposts. The Roman Empire, uh, Judea, uh, Egypt, uh, Herod, you know, all these things. And so one of the main differences between Clash of the Titans and, you know, a sword and sandal fight over Greek mythology is... Um, Greek mythology never presupposed to be real or historical. They were stories. Christianity says, no, this is real. Uh, it actually happened. But she asked, is it false doctrine or false teaching? Uh, I, I would say, yeah, because origin, purpose, destiny. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we headed? I mean, the only truth is the biblical truth. Yeah. Where do we come from? Made by God. Why are we here? To know the Lord Jesus and be saved from sin. And where are we going? Eternity, joyful, forever in heaven with Christ if we're a believer. So, you know, um, we don't waste a lot of time critiquing Greek mythology because it's, you know, I suppose pretty harmless. But, yeah, I suppose you could say it's false teaching, Bert. I
1: would agree with you. It is. And, and you know, the Bible warns against false teachers— and a lot of times we think, well, that's in church. No, false teachers can be in the education system. False teachers can be in the government. False teachers can be in entertainment. And uh, we need to have our, our eyes open and our ears alert to that, Alex. And you did a good job of explaining that. Thank you, Janice. Let's stay in Mississippi and talk to Kenneth. Kenneth, Welcome.
5: Hey, how y'all doing? Uh, I can't believe I got through. I'm a first-time caller. I love and appreciate y'all. Well, thank Yay, you, Kenneth. Thank we you
1: appreciate coming. you coming and calling, brother. Go ahead.
5: Look, uh, I get very confused. Uh, I listen to apologists all the time, and they would talk about certain verses, and they say, you know— Preachers preach on this, but uh, 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 this is not what the verse means. For instance, uh, 29, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, uh, I, uh, "What does it say? Uh, I know the plan to have the- for you." Yeah, that. Yeah, that, that I, to bless I you and bring you to you an expected
1: to- end. Yes, that's good.
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but I hear apologists say, "Well, that's not for us. That was for the Israelites. It was written in a certain letter." Uh, but then I hear preachers preaching on it. Uh, another one I like to bring up, like in Hebrews is, uh, when they talk about forsaking each other, uh, going to church, uh, I hear preachers preaching on that. And then I hear apologists and people that know the Bible and study the Bible. And they say that that's not what that means.
1: Okay, Kenneth, we got you,
5: bro. Hope,
1: uh, make sure you're listening. Cause Alex, this apologist, let me see. Not all apologists say that, because I know somebody that kind of does it right, brother. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah.
2: And his name is Alex (laughs) McFarlane,
1: by the way. Go ahead. Uh,
2: Let me say that um, without—I don't want to speak ill of another brother. And and let me just say this. It it is possible that equally saved, equally well-intentioned people differ on some things, and sometimes radically so. Now, we don't differ on Jesus, the Son of God, who— died on the crossroads from the dead, that's non-negotiable. But Bert, I have heard people say in one of my favorite scriptures, I'll, I'll tweet this every 4th of July, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And always there's a certain strata of Christian, they'll say, Well you know, Alex, that was written to Israel, not America. Second Chronicles seven fourteen is not about the USA, it's about ancient Israel. I know that, but anybody that turns from sin, embraces the Lord, and begs for God's restitution and restoration, he says, I'll show grace. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven thirteen, I know that was written to the Israelites. However, God does have a plan for every life. God does have plan for good and blessing. And if we commit our way to the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 corroborate this. Isaiah 34, I'm sorry, Psalm 34, 7. So Bert, I I know, and and many of our kind of Christian brothers, they're a little bit rigid. They, oh, they will be so quick to tell you the Old Testament is not about the church. I know that. But hey, anybody who turns from sin to Christ is going to get forgiven and get blessed. Am I right, bro? You are
1: right on. My people. Who are my people? Anybody that trusts God in any generation, older than you, anybody becomes a child of God, trusted in him, that is his. And we have that promise. Now, if it's in the Old Testament and it's about the land, it's not ours, you know. But if it's about life, the other L. Alex, uh, if, I think it is. I think at least what you just said to begin with, uh, and I don't mean to say this in any bad way, tweak it or understand it a little bit and and understand, hey, this is good for Israel because they were his, uh, God's people, and this is about life. If I'll do that, it's kind of like the, the, the commandment about children, obey your parents in the Lord. Guess what? Mm-hmm. That's good. Right now in 2022, that, Alex. That,
2: that's, that's good living for anybody, it isn't is, it? It is. Thank
1: yeah. you. We appreciate that call, Kenneth. Let's go to Texas. Rachel, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here. Go thanks right thanks ahead. for taking my
1: call. Yes, ma'am.
3: Okay. Um, uh, this is something that I've struggled with for um, about 34 years now. I've been married, and my mother-in-law has... Um, always smirked and uh, laughed at me for my biblical beliefs and uh, the way I've raised my kids and teach them. I have a daughter that is involved in a same-sex relationship, and I have forgiven and accept or not accepted, but I've forgiven um, my mother-in-law for all the things all through this year, these years, until lately, where she has told my daughter that's in these same-sex relationships that the way i think her mother is antiquated and and out of touch and love is love and you know all that same bit that you know the the world views you know relationships have. and so now i'm at a point where you know what i just i don't want to try with her anymore okay i'm just through with her and i want to know if that's wrong
1: of me or what I should do. Okay, Rachel. Thank you for your call. Listen carefully. Sometimes you have to come away from certain people. Uh, You strive to get along with people as much as possible, but sometimes that must be withdrawn. There's a forgiveness that you need to have, but not necessarily this closeness that you would want to have with your mother-in-law. There's a time to to have some separation, but there isn't
2: there, Alex? There And First of all, I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry for what you've had to go through. And do you know what? Um, your views are not antiquated. The Word of God is true. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I- I'm not saying you need to pick an argument, but uh, if she says that something biblical is antiquated, I'll say, really? Was Je- So was Jesus wrong? Uh, you know, when Jesus said heaven and earth would pass away, but the Word of God would never pass away, Matthew twenty four thirty five. So Jesus, uh, are you saying he was incorrect about the perpetuity of Scripture? <laughs> but look, when it comes to our children, uh, we, we can be loving and respectful, but I don't think we, we dare allow any voice, whether it be a near relative or a public school classroom, we cannot let the voices of unbelievers jeopardize the spiritual welfare of our children.
1: Preach it, Alex. Preach it. Let me just share this with you. Don't let others tell you what the Bible tells you to do. Do what the Bible says. Obey it. And you do it. Speak the truth in love. When it comes up to your mother-in-law, to your daughter, love them. Make sure you're just talking about uh, you know, forgiving them. Uh, work If you can have that relationship and be close, stay there. But if not, you have to pull back a little bit and still pray and still forgive. Thank you for your call. Alex, it's been a great day, brother.
2: Well, amen. Amen. We're going to pick it up again and finish up John 12 and keep on going. This has been Exploring the Word. You can listen to this and great other programming at AFR.net. Tell somebody about the show if you would, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.